And welcome to the Down to Fun Podcast. How's it going, guys? We are here. We are excited. We are super pumped. And we are super glad that everybody went and voted for us to review a full feature episode of Logan Lucky on Twitter. So thank you so much for our fans because it was super close. Uh, and I was just excited the amount of people who actually went out and voted. So uh, I want to say start off with appreciate that. And thank you. And a happy September to everybody. I am here with... Two of my best friends. And what we're going to do tonight in the Down in Front podcast is review Logan Lucky, one of the newest feature films that stars a bunch of famous and amazing people. Uh, and we're going to talk about some things that we're drinking, some things that we're watching, and really kind of get into the, like, the re- real nitty-gritty for this actual review. So before we get too, too far into it, I'm going to toss it over to the man who has the most beautiful voice in the entire world. After Morgan Freeman, I'm sorry. Bradlin, how's it going, man? How's it going? Good, good. Andy Dufresne crawled through a river of shit to freedom. <laughs> Seriously, you should you should probably record that entire book. I'll listen to it. I should. I should just narrate books while I sit here. Do it. Uh, what you uh, what you been watching? What you sipping on? Uh, I am sticking to the classic, the classy, Gentleman Jack. Gentleman Jack. <laughs> nice long pour right here nice. with some rocks in it. Uh, and what I've been watching recently, uh, not much, but every once in a while, uh, when I'm bored, I'll turn on Apple Music's new series, uh, Carpool Karaoke, the series. So this takes, uh, the little Carpool Karaoke skit that, uh, James Corden had on his late night show and turns it into a 20, 25 minute ser- uh, episode. And, uh, it's, uh, really good. I mean, it's just as entertaining as that sketch was and, they find ways to make his uh, show still enjoyable, even from while doubling the amount of time they spend on these characters. One cool thing they do is they don't have James Corden kind of run every single episode. They get different cast of characters. So you'll get like Sansa and Arya from Game of Thrones have their own episode. Uh, one of my favorite episodes was Seth MacFarlane and um, Ariana Grande. Nice. Uh, doing a carpool karaoke where they were doing all musicals because I didn't know this. I learned this watching is that she has a she started in the theater and uh, they're both in the Little Shop of Horrors uh, show that's in Los Angeles right now. Oh, nice! So I thought that was really cool. That's awesome. Yeah, and uh, yeah, it's a. I wouldn't say it's nothing's superb, spectacular. It's got. Uh, it's just watching a couple people in a car sing. And it is what it is, and it's uh, pretty fun to watch if you have nothing else to watch. Cool. So that's Carpool Karaoke on uh, Apple Music? Apple Music. Cool. Well, as always, it's great to hear your voice and see your beautiful face. So thanks for uh, coming on and hanging out with us again. Thank you. Of course, of course. I'm going to toss it over to uh, my good friend, my buddy, my pal, my guy, Mr. Mocha. How's it going, man? 
Hey, everybody. Doing great. How about yourselves? Going well. Very well. Very well. Thanks for asking. Hi, Dr. Nick. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, everybody. Hello, everybody. Uh, everybody. Sorry, that was a terrible <laughs> Hubert Farnsworth impression, but yeah. it's out there in the ether. It's going to be published. I mean, you all know it. Good try. I mean, it's A for effort, right? Yeah, at least yeah. I was brave. Yeah. At least I... Absolutely. Yeah. What, a, <laughs> what are you watching? As you can probably tell, I've been drinking, and what I'm drinking tonight is Apothic Crush. Um, if you'll remember the last week, or with the Game of Thrones episode, rather, I was drinking Apothic Dark, and I'm trying to sort of, you know, explore the various opportunities that are available with the Apothic brand for wine. I don't know anything about wine, so when I find one that's that tastes okay to me, I kind of stick with it. Um, the Apothic Crush is good. It's... Uh, it's smoother. It's a bit lighter than the... Well, significantly lighter than the dark. Um, and I like it. I am a big fan of the dark, though. I think that's where I would lean towards if I had to pick one of them to live and to die. It would definitely be the dark. Um, but it's good so far. Nice. Yeah. What type that's, of notes and body does Apothic Crush have? Oh, man. Its body is thin. Is that how you talk about wine body? <laughs> <laughs> sure. It's not, it's not heavy set. It is. <laughs> um, but in terms of its notes, there are notes of caramel. Um, and this is from the label in the back. It has a velvety smooth mouthfeel. Um, mouthfeel is a phrase that I'm a huge fan of. I think it's one of the things anyone can say about any sort of like food or drink. Um, so yeah, shout out to Apothic with their velvety smooth mouthfeel. I'm all about it. There you go. Nice. As for what I've been watching lately, I had the great misfortune to go to theaters to watch the first two episodes of Inhumans. Oh, no. Uh, and I'd say great misfortune because... Uh, so let me start off by saying I'm a massive, massive fan of the Inhumans property in the comic books, as well as how they've been treated in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., um, you know, another Marvel TV, ABC TV um, Marvel show. But this this was not good. It was There was a lot of things wrong with it. I wanted so bad for it to be good. I wanted so bad to put myself out there and just defend it on its merits against waves of negative criticism, but it's just very, very bad. Um, I don't want to rant about it because it will literally make me angry, um, but I'm working on writing a, a little blog post about it, about why it's bad, what could have been, been done about it, but I've had to rewrite it so many times because it turns into a, a, like a three-page tirade um, every time, so... But yeah, I, that's what I've been watching lately. It was still a cool experience just going to see you know, a TV show on the big screen, but it's definitely not worth your money if you're considering it. Um, yeah, wait till it comes out on ABC and then make a decision for yourself, but watch it for free on, on cable. Cool. Would you say uh, Lockjaw is a positive about it? Lockjaw is definitely a positive. It's really hard to mess up an adorable, gigantic English bulldog that can teleport, um, but they did do a good job with it. Um, unfortunately, I think that it's going to be similar to the dragons on Game of Thrones, where having him on screen takes so much of the CG budget that they're going to try to avoid having him on screen as often as possible. But he's adorable, and I want a dog that big in my life, whether or not in teleport. Nice. That'd be awesome. Good to know. So kind of a bum. We, uh, we all know that you are one of the uh, resident Marvel uh, fanatics on, our, uh, on the podcast. Uh, so... I guess we'll definitely probably come back and talk about it when Inhumans uh, comes out on TV. Um, and do you know when that is off the top of your head? Yeah, September 22nd it airs. Oh, nice. On ABC. So super, about, you know, very soon, very soon. Cool. Yeah, like three weeks. 
There you go. And I am Warren. I'll be your host this evening. Uh, I am currently sipping on a couple different things. I was trying to do something a little bit different this time around. Uh, so that I know, much like Mocha, Mike, and a lot of people who are a bit newer to wine, it also kind of turns them off because a lot of people don't really like buying wines that's kind of expensive, even anything above like $10, $15, and it kind of turns you off of it. Um, so what I've been trying to do is really go out and find a lot of wines that are under uh, 6 7 $8. And I have been doing that for you know the last couple of weeks right now. And I've gotten two bottles of wine that were total under $8 from TJ Ma- uh, TJ Maxx. Trader Joe's. There you go. TJ Maxx has wine now? They threw in a pair of pants. It was BOGO. I had to. Uh, so I got four dollar bottle of wine with your Billabong shorts, <laughs> right? I I got these uh, two bottles of uh, red uh, blends, of course. And I think blends are probably the easiest to drink, especially if you're just getting into drinking wine. Um, one's called the Plow and Stars or the Plow and Stars, I guess is the Plow and Stars. My bad. Uh, and the other one is called the Granite Coast and Vineyards. And I'm interested to see which one I should select, guys. Input. Um, is there a description? Um, it is. So, harvested from carefully created selection of premier vineyards in California, Plow and Stars captures the essence of California red in one ripe, juicy, delicious blend. That's one. Uh, the rugged coastline carved out by the relentless force of the wild Pacific Ocean is a hallmark of California's central coast. The proximity of our vineyards to the sea is a cool marine air ensures our grapes ripen slowly, evenly, develop ripe, concentrated fruit flavors while retaining an ideal level of acidity. It's pretty good. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm going to go ahead and say coast one. Coast? I like that description. Granite Coast, yeah. Granite Coast? See, I like I like stargazing. I also like plowing, so I'm going to go for the plowing star. <laughs> well, uh, I'm going to go with uh, Megan's cause she, just because she likes the actual label. So thank you very much, Megan. And we're going to try the uh, plowing stars this time around. And this is literally, thank I think, you, this, this is a $4 Thanks, bottle. $4 bottle from Trader Joe's, so definitely check it out. Um, as I open up this beautiful, beautiful nectar, um, I've been watching a couple different shows. I know one thing that me and Bradley are going to talk about just here in a moment is going to be the tick and we found that on amazon prime and we actually uh heard and caught wind of that last year during their um uh pilot pilot season season, that's right so we'll talk about that in a second but i am super interested to hear have you guys heard of or seen anything about the night manager i hear it is amazing and uh, it's won a lot of awards i've never got around to watching it but it has Two of the best actors in the world right now in it, but it had Cumberbatch and uh, Loki. No, so close. Uh, Loki. No, yeah. Loki and Hugh Laurie. Yeah, there you go. There we go. <laughs> I was like, wait, hold on. If you're going to go with the Loki reference, then it's Loki and Doctor Strange. Yeah, uh, it has. No, that's it not it either. Channing Tatum and. <laughs> The Australian twin. This, <laughs> this has Loki and it has house in it. Loki and house. Loki and house. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Not even close. Anyways, um, so I remember I was watching the Golden Globes this past year, I believe, and I think this was just collecting and picking up a bunch of awards, and both Tom Hiddleston and Hugh Laurie both had won an award for it. Uh, but I just 
never got a chance to get around to it. Uh, I've been really delving into a lot of Amazon Prime, uh, whether it's like their HD or their uh, 4K content, but it just feels like they have a lot of content that I think a, a lot of people will appreciate, and they're actually kind of get some stuff from it. It's not too mainstream. Um, I'm only at the second episode. I just, I'm almost about to finish the second episode, but man, there are some great performances already in one episode. They're an hour long. Um, I think the first season is a total of maybe eight to ten episodes, but it is very complex. The characters are all complex and it's different and you just really get so much information. It's a show you really have to pay attention to. And I find myself wanting to watch the show by myself so that nobody's like either bother me or talking to me because it really starts immediately and it just ramps up and just keeps going. Um, and it's actually really prescient. It talks about things that is happening in today's society. Like it may not be in uh, America, but in the world. So um, that's the night manager. Uh, I'm definitely probably going to go to get back on here and give you like a small recap cap of when I'm done with the season, but it is a very easy, but it's a very intense watch, and I thoroughly, thoroughly enjoy the um, the acting in it, so definitely that's a, it's a great show. Uh, and I'm pumped to talk about The Tick. I'm actually going to toss this over to Brylin, and uh, I want to hear your thoughts yeah. on it, because we talked about this last year a little bit, and we were super pumped, and now that the entire season is out uh, of The Tick, uh, and I'm wondering, you know, what your thoughts on that, and if you actually seen the original version back in the 90s of The Tick. Oh yeah, like this is what the Tick was. I never read the comic books, but the Tick was one of my go-to uh, Saturday morning cartoons growing up as a kid. Uh, one of my favorite episodes of TV ever is the Tick versus the Tick, where he actually fights a guy named Barry who's wearing a Tick suit, and it's a uh, it was a really good spoof on the superhero genre, and it also had interesting cast of uh, villains and side characters and. Um, it was really cool to see this villain's motivations. It wasn't just about like blowing up the moon; it was about writing their name on the moon. So it was always like very tongue in cheek about uh, how they approached everything, uh, and they had uh, some very uh, intriguing characters like Chairface Chippendale, who actually had a chair for a head. And it was just an interesting visual element to it. Uh, when the Patrick Warburton uh, tick came out, I never really got around to watching it. So the cartoon was what primarily my what I watched. But I was pretty excited to get back into the tick. And when I watched the first episode during pilot season, I didn't. I wasn't quite sure how to uh, look at it. Um, it. I felt kind of weird. I was like, it has the elements of the tick, but it's kind of dark. It's kind of going to some very disturbing places mm -hmm. like almost like um they first start with arthur kind of acting like he's a a mental patient he was a mental patient just because of traumatic event in his life uh but as i watched the entire series for this first season i loved it it captures the heart of what the tick is and bends it into different ways it does go to dark elements but it reminds me a lot about a show that I love that I watched all the, all five seasons of it that I think didn't really get its uh, due, which was uh, Wilfred, mm. if you ever watched that. Oh, God, um, that show was so good. Yeah, and... Super the underrated. And, yeah, the Tick and Arthur relationship is kind of like Wilfred and... Uh, and what is the Hobbit's name? <laughs> Elijah Wood. Elijah Wood, yeah, <laughs> uh, that their relationship, it's kind of a very similar relationship, and it's really cool to see that they still they didn't bring back the characters that um, 
are beloved in the tick lore, like Deflator Mouse or Chairface Chippendale, but they brought in characters that kind of worked as well, like um, Mrs. Lint and Overkill is fucking amazing. Yeah, that, that's kind of <laughs> awesome. Yeah, Overkill is one of the best like vigilantes ever created, I think, just because of his attitude towards everything. He yeah. just thinks everybody's an asshole when he's the actual asshole. Uh, but I got to give it out to um, Jackie Earl Haley for um, playing. Um, what was the uh, what is the main villain's name? I forget. It's oh, uh, Mister Terror. Terror. The Terror. The Terror. Yeah. Because he's like he's like a motivational speaker mixed with like your like the best like dad ever, but all for villainy. Yeah, he'll have things where he he talks about like, well, I know you did wrong because you weren't evil enough for it. <laughs> you gotta go out there and be evil. And he's just like it's good to see him like approach it with like a positive light towards his villain underlings, try to encourage him to be more evil. Yeah. <laughs> is he like a, is he like Bizarro Tony Robbins? He is <laughs> a lot. Yeah, you can definitely see that. And he has a very unique voice as well, which I think uh Jackie Earl Haley's always good about bringing out like those weird voices that actually capture a character. So I definitely recommend this first season. I thought it was a lot of fun. Yeah. I mean I just thoroughly enjoyed um, I enjoyed the first episode in, like, the pilot, and I really had a good time with it. Um, you know, I think when we, when it started, and I saw that, and I'm like, oh, man, like, I I, I, I like these. That's why I like, like, Amazon, because I feel like they are kind of pushing it just a little bit into, like, some darker areas. Not saying, you know, Netflix and Hulu and HBO is not doing that, but it felt like they were, like, at least trying to do something a little bit differently, and... We don't know, like especially if you're brand new to this entire world. Because I don't really, too, I, I remember a bit of the the cartoon. I think I watched like a couple of them, and I remember the Patrick Warburton because I thought it was kind of funny, but I didn't quite get what's happening. So now that I'm a little bit older, and they're giving you this, you know, this kid and this guy now grows up has like been stalking this his father's killer essentially, uh, and wants to prove to the world that he's not crazy. He's been right the entire time, and he's dealing with like a PTSD, like a really traumatic sort of event. But, you know, and then randomly, all of a sudden, this superhero comes up that's called the Tick, and this is guy who's dressed up as a costume, but he's not entirely sure. We sort of find out, and there's, like, a very interesting sort of surreal moment. He's like, oh, oh, I don't know if I was have a costume where I'm just born, if I'm just naked. Like, I don't know. And like, It was this really funny dialogue <laughs> that I kind of put into that. Uh, but it was also very interesting because they don't quite give you all the answers. You know, uh, Arthur actually starts to develop a Tick in his eye like a twitch in his eye and so for a long time you don't know if the tick is real or not you don't know if arthur's embodied him or not then later on you find out like different things no spoilers of course you, you start finding out kind of different things but in the end you're still not quite sure you're still not like his sister's like it doesn't necessarily kind of help him and she's she's not quite she's trying not to enable him and there's like a support system that's out there and they're not as helpful and the only person that's uh, is the like literally the the anti um the, well he is the Tony Robbins wait the tick is Tony Robbins in this in this yeah. show oh my god <laughs> I just realized that right. yeah you said bizarre yeah. I was like wait no he is and uh, I think there was a a beautiful and I really really enjoy this moment of just the dialogue alone uh, there's a scene that Arthur's flying and trying to learn how to fly with these wings and Dot and the tick are driving. 
Um, and he's telling him, no, you can do this, and really talking about some really spiritual uh, sayings and tr- really trying to just pump him as much as possible where Dot's on the other side and she's controlling, right? Physically, she's controlling the car. She's actually driving as she's been controlling Arthur's life and telling him, like, no, no, no. Whereas then you got um, you the Tick, who's not driving, who's trying to let him go free. He sticks his head up out the window and says, you know, feel free, you need to embrace it, you can do this. And yeah. just that destiny scene... Destiny is on yeah, your side. And, you, it, and like, the way that he, like, really encompasses destiny, I'm like, ah, it's a very powerful character. I think it's a very, like, I'm scared that it may not be... You know, received very well, uh, just because it's on it, a it's on Amazon and you know Amazon's not even on Apple TV, right? So it, it may not necessarily be seen all the time. Uh, but B, it's also like very quirky, very weird, very satirical, especially about the our feature film that we're going to talk about today a little bit of. It is making fun of itself, and it is making fun of like different things. Uh, and they they're not trying to take it seriously. Like there's a woman who has like electro <laughs> electrostatic power and. She's she's in a, her lair that was her ex husband, and it's just hilarious. Who sleeps Chad? It's like just, a Chad bro, yeah, dude. It's hilarious. <laughs> Who drinks almond milk and it's like it's hilarious. Uh, so I mean, they're really. Uh, I really enjoy the show. I really hope people would go out and like watch it uh, because like obviously a lot of people have Amazon Prime. Uh, it's free. It's kind of binge. It's very easy watch, but it definitely gives you a lot of different TV that's just not out there. Um, and I just thoroughly, I just thoroughly enjoy it, and I really hope that a lot of people kind of get out there and just watch, even just watch the pilot, just watch the first episode, because I guarantee you, you're gonna be like, I need to keep watching this just to see where it happens. Mocha, what do you, yeah. you got something? Yeah, I just wanted to, to add to the fact that yeah, you're right. Amazon is definitely at a disadvantage compared to other streaming services like Hulu and Netflix that have a bit more of a spread in terms of how they can engage their customers. But they are trying to do a lot of big things, whether it's you know pushing forward content that is a bit more. Um, risky, like The Tick and how they're handling some of the content in there. Yeah. Um, but also with this movie that we're going to review tonight, Logan Lucky, Amazon has a deal with, uh, has a, a deal set up with them where after the movie is done with its theatrical release, it will come out on Amazon Prime Video. Oh, good. So they're, they're like, they made a deal where they're bypassing the whole wait for the DVD stage and they're just putting it on their platform first. So, good. Good. like, I only, I'll be honest, I'm only watching things that are on Amazon Prime Video because I have an Amazon Prime account. That's the more important thing to me. But more power to them. They're definitely the T-Mobile in this uh, streaming video war. Um, but they're, and they're, they're rising to the challenge. You know, they're pulling out all the stops and trying to do innovative things with their content. So uh, more power to them. I hope they things work out for them. Yeah. Yeah, and I think I read somewhere that uh, Tick's already been renewed for season two. So Oh, good. It, it's definitely... Um, it's definitely garnered an art, garnered an audience. Yeah. Um, I just hope they give them a little bit more budget just to make things look a little prettier. Yeah, you know, it was it, it was interesting because I think at the time, oh man, I was watching some really really bad movies this past weekend. I'm not even going to bring up the movies. It was one called Samurai Cop and the other one called Samurai Cop Two. <laughs> Thank you, thank you, Andrew Abbott. Thank you, Andrew Abbott, for that. Uh, I hate your guts. Wow, uh, but, that sounds like an Abbott recommendation. Oh man. Yeah. Well, here's the thing. Not only was I watching it, but he had like a good eight or nine people all watching this movie, and we're like, "Why are we still watching this movie? We complete. We finished both of them, mind you. We finished both these movies. Anyways, um, the budget. You know, you can definitely tell the budget was not there, and it was like bare bones but it still looked good in a lot of these things that it did like even the actual character um 
like the character of Overkill looked great. Like yeah. I thought he he looked at, like is it Overkill or Overwatch? What was it Overkill? Overkill. Overkill. Yeah, he looked great. Like with the eyes and like the robot and like that. I thought that was pretty cool. I'm like, oh, I was kind of surprised that looked as good. But then there's other stuff that I'm like, all right, that looks kind of bad. But you know, it's whatever. yeah, it's okay. They even make a joke about the tick suit where Arthur says, like, you look different today. And Tick's just like, oh, thank you for noticing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's going to be, it's, it's, I'm pumped about it. Uh, and even, you know, talking about, I'm going to echo something uh, before Mocha said, if this upcoming Thursday for all the sports fans, uh, Amazon Prime Video lets you stream the game live. Uh, it's Packers versus Chicago Bears. Which Get out of here. I don't know if they did that last year or if it, I know Twitter had tried something like the year before. They're probably going to come back and do something. But the fact that you're telling me that everybody, as long as you have an internet connection, now can watch live sports without any, like, you don't need anything for it. I think that's very, very powerful. And that's awesome. I really hope it just doesn't go down, like, during the streaming, right? I'm wondering, like, the buffering and stuff like that. But if it works for them, I, I really hope that more and more people get a chance to kind of watch some of these great, great shows that's on uh, Amazon. Man the High Castle, Red Oaks, like, Fleabag, which I show I like, like a lot, Goliath. I mean, these things are all over the place. Let's go get a brief pause and a brief intermission, and then we'll see you soon for the full review of Logan Lucky. We are excited. We are pumped to talk about Logan Lucky, a uh, full feature film. Uh, like we said, this was actually reviewed and requested from our Twitter. So thank you so much for all of our Twitter followers and all of our friends. At And feel free to follow us at underscore DAFP, at underscore Down in Front Podcast. I'm going to talk this talk. I'm going to toss it over to Brylin and say, hey, Brylin, tell me some things you liked about Logan Lucky. Yeah, so I found this movie to be an enjoyable uh, Hickville mix of Ocean's Eleven and Little Miss Sunshine. Um, it is definitely a heist film uh, that Steven Soderbergh has done. He's done this multiple times before, so he's got a little bit of a method behind how he likes to build out these um, like quirky characters that are nice and fun to be around with. And then they pull off like the most elaborate robbery scheme you'll ever see on film. And even with this, like the having the, what's really cool about it is like, it's set with these characters from West Virginia, from small towns where they did mining jobs and were in the military and everything, very blue collar environments uh, but they're no idiots either. So even though like their plan might be 10 steps that just say, do the job, uh, don't be stupid, uh, have a backup, that the plan they pull off here is probably one of the most elaborate plans I've seen about robbing anything. Yes. Um, and just adding NASCAR to it just adds another layer of hickness to it. Um, and I use hickness in a positive light. I think it's something that adds a lot of character to these uh, um, to this movie. Um, some of the casts that I thought really stood out, one, I'll just have to say Daniel Craig's uh, Joe Bang. Um, seeing Daniel Craig do an American accent, especially like a very um, uh, small-town American accent, is one of the oddest but most satisfying <laughs> and enjoyable things I've seen in my life. Absolutely, and, yep. um it's really cool to see his character um, have like these little things, like he eats hard-boiled eggs with fake salt. Um, <laughs> prepackaged hard-boiled eggs are 
probably one of the grossest snacks you can have. Out of a uh, vending machine. Uh, out of a vending machine. <laughs> I, like, I would never trust that. But Go ahead, C7. Watching, huh? like, yeah, watching him eat those is just like, I'm kind of enamored by how sick and gross this is, but pretty funny at the same time. Um, and I just like, he's that guy that's like just a little bit smarter than everybody else. Like when he's talking about how his, um, how his bomb's going to work, he doesn't want to call it a bomb. It's science. And he has to explain to him how mixing sugar with, uh, glue and gummy bears is actually going to create an explosion for them, and it works. It's I, actually really cool. I love that cut scene for it, like like jump cut, cut because he's like talking about it. And he's like it's science, and he looks up, and they're like, uh. Then they cut to him with the chalk, and like in a heist, he's explaining the science of how you actually kind of mix this to like break it down. And I'm like, that. Is that is that is like some good comedic sort of bits and some great sort of parts to it that um, I it, it's just funny and it's even better that you have these three actors um, who all just like toss that in at one point. I'm like, man, that's that's such good comedy. That's really funny. You have some physical actionist in there as well as you explaining something so so ridiculous to the point where something so ridiculous that they're doing. Um, I, I think that that moment really, really worked for me. Yeah, and I think he was also um, the one that actually told his brothers, like, gave him the six jars and said, "Put two and three, and put three and four, and then run." Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Just blew up the generator. Um, uh, I even liked uh, there were some surprising, like, supporting cast that popped up in this movie, like the British uh, Max, the British like energy drink. Um, Spokesman slash mogul. I did not know that was Seth MacFarlane. Oh yeah, <laughs> that blew my mind. Uh, and he, well, you found that like, out after after the fact. I found that after the fact. Awesome. And I found him to be like a really hilarious asshole that just got what was coming to him every step of the way. Um, and along with him, Sebastian Stan's very brief moment of being a NASCAR driver that finds clean living. His little montage about like how he's taking care of his body and just how his body is a software or how uh, everything that goes into his body is a software, software. now. So good. And <laughs> it was it's phenomenal because I I've ta- I've spoken to people that act just like that in real life and <laughs> just the ramifications of him taking one energy drink that makes him lose the race is <laughs> hilarious. Makes his OS crash. Yeah, I'm crashing. Crash. I'm yeah. crashing. <laughs> Oh my gosh, so funny. I, I, I thoroughly enjoyed that entire sort of montage of, because you sit there, you're like, well, you're just eating. Like, it doesn't look like you're doing anything. Well, I don't understand what this software, uh, oh, it's food? Yeah, soft, like, food is what I call software. Wait, hold on, what? It, I, I just love how they just enjoy the sexual, um, that role. Yeah. Um, I also liked, um, also liked uh, Adam Driver a lot as uh, the younger uh, Logan brother. Um, he's like a army vet that uh, came back. He lost his arm, uh, and so he's actually got like a very matter of fact attitude. He's probably the smartest one besides Joe Bang going into this, uh, and he uh, he actually has been through a lot, and he actually will admit like, yeah, life's tough, but also at the same time, he's like you know what, you just got to push forward and just keep on going. And even when he doubts himself, 
that uh, he finds a way to overcome that. And I thought that that's really cool because I haven't really seen Adam Driver many things besides Star Wars and uh, his spoofs on Star Wars on SNL. Um, but uh, he uh, he's, continues to impress me every single time uh, he takes on a role. Nice. Um, also liked uh, Riley Keough as Melly Logan, the uh, sister. Um, she's beautiful, and uh, she was actually she's kind of played like a stereotype, like girl that my friends and I thought was like the catch is like the hot girl that drives the muscle car that knows how to drive stick. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was always the girl we went after. And uh, what surprised me a lot is um, I kept on looking at her. I was like, I know her from somewhere. I've heard her name somewhere. I've seen her in something. I looked at her IMDb page. I haven't seen any of her movies. I was like, how do I know this person? It's like she looks very familiar. And then I read a little bit more, and I realized she is Elvis Presley's granddaughter. Oh, <laughs> she wow. has like the same no Elvis Presley chin. <laughs> and I was like, that's how she looks very familiar. <laughs> she looks like her grandma. Yeah. Aside from the chin. I think she does. Aside from the chin. Yeah, the chin. <laughs> she's kind of got that Elvis chin. Nice. I didn't even know that. Um, yeah. And oh, lost my notes. Uh, and just the hilarity that's in this movie. Um, it's very off kilter. It's uh, it's a uh, it's very like blended in to be kind of real. Like you would probably experience a funny moment like this, uh, or a frustrating moment that you can see in a humorous light. Uh, they have probably the best Game of Thrones joke ever oh, put on film. Yes, uh, there's a whole scene where these group of prisoners have actually locked down this cafeteria and they're making demands and one of their demands is to get a copy of um, copy of a dance with dragons in the prison <laughs> library and they also want wins a winner of song of spring and the warden that who's played by dwight yokum who's always awesome and pretty much anything he does if you ever seen sling blade he's fantastic in that um He's he's telling them like uh, we can get you a dance with dragons, but Winds of Winter still hasn't come out, <laughs> and A Song of Spring has not come out yet. And the prisoners just go, "Bullshit! We don't believe you. That was supposed to be out a couple of months ago." And he's like, he feels helpless because he's just reading off the Wikipedia article, like saying, uh, "According to this, it still hasn't come out. George R. R. Martin hasn't gotten." back to getting his book back it looks like there were some tv production issues and it was like isn't that real <laughs> so good just to build up a humorous moment which is fantastic yeah uh, yeah and i was and i was pres- right there just feeling just the same thing that the prisoners are feeling because i've been there when they announced that it was going to be delayed yes i was like bullshit don't do this to me Oh my god! The prisoners actually counter him by saying, "Oh, this guy came into the came into lockup, knowing all these things that happened after Dance of Dragons." And the warden is like, "Well, it seems that the TV show has gotten past the books, but without George R. R. Martin's direction." And it was like, I was dying that entire time. I was cracking up. Yeah, they also uh, do a great job of uh, breaking the fourth wall in clever ways, uh, like uh, Hillary Swank's FBI character. I think she's like a total spoof of. Tommy Lee Jones character from The Fugitive, yeah, in a way, and uh, she even has a moment that I mean made me laugh out loud, where she's talking about like what events have occurred, like um, 
they can't find any suspects in this robbery. They can't find um, they can't find anybody to say that they saw anybody happen around there that was strange or suspicious. Uh, Sebastian Stan's NASCAR driver won't corroborate Seth MacFarlane's character's story. Uh, and she just sits, stands there and looks around like, I hate it when things are, I hate it when cases are all nice and tidy and closed pretty perfectly, kind of like the outcome of this story. <laughs> <laughs> just like having that little tongue-in-cheek moment about just making the whole movie itself just adds a little extra fun to it. Um, also like how they use uh, their humor and clever dialogue to talk about just uh, social elements that people may be uh, experiencing in their day-to-day basis as well. Um, just like Channing Tatum's character, he, we first meet him, he actually gets fired from his job just because one of the uh, exact, one of the board of directors saw him walking with a limp one day and looked into it and it looked like uh, since he did not declare that as a previous condition, he is uh, contractually not able to work for them because he did not declare that as something that was issued and that could raise their insurance rates. And they did not want that. They they did not want to have that financial hardship on the business. So they fire him. They say, "Hey, sorry, but you didn't declare this." And that's something that you can actually have. You see people actually be affected by day to day. And I like that. It wasn't just explain like what a pre-existing condition is. It was actually part of the story, part of the environment that was going on with that. So I really appreciated that as well. Cool. Well, I mean, I'm, I'm super pumped. I'm really excited to talk about that game of Thrones, especially we have it. Cause I was absolutely in stitches in the entire theater. It's like, just, they made some great arguments. I'm like, those inmates made some absolutely great argu- arguments. And I think it was more along the lines of George R. R. Martin, what the F? Like, literally, what the F, bro? Like, it, this is on you now. So, <laughs> hopefully this uh, rallies him so he can actually release Winds of Winter this year. Who knows? Who knows? I doubt, so. but who knows? Mocha, talk to me about what you liked about the movie. Yeah, I, I agree with, with Brylin on a lot of the different points that he's brought up. Um, I feel like this movie lacked a bit of originality in terms of its plot. But aside from that, I mean, its characters were absolutely delightful. Um, it was funny because it kind of felt a lot of the times that I was watching a heist movie made by the Coen brothers. And maybe that's the, that had to do with the fact that everyone had really convincing Southern accents. But it was just really interesting seeing all the different characters interact with each other, whether it, were the, it was the, lucky, the Logan siblings or... Channing Tatum with his daughter, who that little that little little child actress was absolutely precious and did such a good good job the entire way through. Amazing. Um, look like Jimmy Logan's angry conversations with his with his uh, ex wife or his ex lover, whatever their situation was. Just every time there were humans interacting with humans, it felt really authentic. It felt really real in terms of the dialogue and how they approached it, and I really appreciate that out of this movie. And that's something that. You know, I didn't necessarily see a lot out of Soderbergh's other films, his other Oceans movies. Um, you know, those were more focused on just like the heist itself and the excitement around it. But this movie felt a lot like a personal, individual person, like individual human story with the heist wrapped in. And I, I dug it. I really enjoyed that. Um, it was also really self-aware. I mean, this film 
there are multiple times where characters in the film, you know, background characters refer to the situation as Ocean's 7-Eleven because they, the, yeah. the money was, re- was returned at a convenience store or the hillbilly heist. And it was really enjoyable seeing Soddenberg having a little fun at his own expense in that regard. Um, and, you know, like the, the positive cast interactions or the positive character interactions come from the fact that they had a solid cast. I mean, Channing Tatum hasn't done any wrong as far as I'm concerned in any movie he's been in. Daniel Craig, like Brian said, was fantastic. Um, I've never seen him outside of a James Bond movie, so I don't know if he's had the opportunity to speak in a, an American accent before, uh, but he was great. Like, he was solid and on point throughout it, and I thought, like, and his character was just really fun and interesting. Um, you know, all the characters were, whether the his hillbilly brothers, who were a bit more uneducated, Adam Driver with his kind of stoic, like, almost PTSD, uh, you know, like, individual who had come back from a war and had lost his arm, and was just kind of really deadpan with how he delivered all of his lines and had all of his conversations. He still really had a really strong presence in the movie. And it was great seeing these two characters, China Tatum and Adam Driver, who are brothers, showing the kind of the kind of instinctual bond that makes for really good brothers on film. You know, one of the early scenes in the film is uh, Seth MacFarlane's character making fun of Adam Driver because he doesn't have an arm. And before they can even before they can even make really pointed comments about Adam Driver, uh, Channing Tatum comes to his brother's defense, and the moment Channing Tatum starts fighting with Seth MacFarlane and his crew, Adam Driver just goes right, grabs a bottle of liquor, shoves a rag in it, goes right outside, grabs a brick, breaks their window, and throws a Molotov cocktail into it without even a second thought. And it's just I love seeing like I love seeing mischievous brothers. Uh, or at least like Hoodlum Brothers, like acting in sync like that. It was really, really enjoyable to watch. Yeah. Um, I dug that, in like Adam Driver's actions a lot, just because never did it feel like it was something that was happening because of rage or anger. It was just like I'm just going to do the most matter of fact thing right now. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. He was so kind of driven by just what made sense for the moments, even if what made sense wasn't necessarily the smartest thing to do. Yeah. Um, and it, and it played off well with Channing Tatum's character, who, while he wasn't wildly emotional, he was definitely a much more emotion-driven a character than his brother was. And so they had this nice play off one another. Um, the the sense of humor throughout the film was great. Brylin, you went into detail about the uh, Game of Thrones joke, or the, uh, the Game of Thrones joke, which I thought was fantastic. But like the, the laughs were pretty nonstop. And a lot of times there were... There were moments where a joke was made that wasn't laugh out loud funny, but was still funny within the greater context. And I was really surprised. It was, I didn't know what to expect going into this film, and being bombarded with humor from these characters was was not what I expected. And it, it came off really well. Um, yeah, everyone was was great in it. Channing Tatum was fantastic. America's sweetheart. Every movie he's in, he makes better. Um, looks like there may be some disagreement amid, amidst the uh, down in front podcast guys. I'm getting some funny looks. Every but movie. Think, have you tell me a movie that Channing Tatum has made worse by being in Jupiter Ascending? No, but, he's wait, actually one of the best parts of Jupiter. That's, Ascending. Yeah, that was a no, shit movie. He, and was, he was good in it. He was one of the worst parts in Jupiter Ascending. After oh my Mila Kunis. We don't have to get into that. We're not going to get into this at all. You, you cannot defend that movie on anything. So, proceed. 
Maybe that movie will be our review for April Fool's. <laughs> no. Who knows? Jesus, no. Yeah. And I want people to like just understand that Channing Tatum is a great actor. That he adds a lot to his work, especially his physicality when it comes to work. I mean, if no one's seen him in like Magic Mike or Step Up to the Streets, which he did many moons ago, he's a professional trained dancer. And uh, he actually adds a lot of physicality to his roles. And you can actually see him like just change like his posture or his gait to actually uh, add a little bit more extra on the screen to what that character is. Like this character being a little bit more heavy set, walking around with a limp, a little hunched over, uh, shows that this guy's been working his ass off for his uh, for his family. Okay. Yeah, yeah. He did have a dad bod for this movie, Sick which is not bod. a detraction. Um, <laughs> But yeah, you know, like a lot of this movie, a lot of what really struck me as positive about this movie just comes back to how authentic it felt. Even though the situation they were in was really ridiculous and required a significant amount of uh, suspension of disbelief at times, seeing these characters just talk to one another, um, especially with Channing Tatum's relationship with his daughter. So in the film, his... I'm assuming his ex-wife, or at least the mother of his, his child, has custody over his daughter... And he is a really good father. He spends a lot of quality time with her, but is a different person and raising her in a different way than her mother and her stepfather are. Um, and I could probably say it's because I don't think my family listens to this podcast at all, but that's really reminiscent of some relationships that I've seen in, within my own family in terms of, you know, a father, not this isn't my, my parents specifically, but a father with a young, taller daughter who is estranged from their mother. And just like his interactions with the mom, and being, like, angry and constantly fighting with her, but then switching over to, like, the hey baby mode when his daughter comes onto the screen and doing whatever he can to be positive around her, despite the fact that Katie Holmes is still throwing him daggers, was just super authentic. And whether it was a combination of the writing and just those those actors' deliveries, it felt real. And honestly, I could have watched this same movie if it was an emotional relationship drama as opposed to a funny heist. And I think the characters would have worked just as well. And that's a huge win to the writing um, because they, they gave us a fantastical situation, this big heist amidst what was a very human drama. Um, So yeah, so big shout out to this, this movie. It was, it was really fun to watch. Yeah. Yeah. I think the biggest thing that I loved that movie was I just had a lot of fun watching this and I was super bummed. I am not a type of person who like missed parts of movies, but I actually had to miss a good chunk of the movie. Um, I'm not entirely sure how much, but I definitely didn't miss a good point, but it was still something that was like very, very enjoyable to see. Um, and it was also something that you can still necessarily kind of keep up of, like, what's happening. And I really kind of took my time and, like, tried to piece together and figure some things out. And there's some characters that I missed their introductions, but their reintroductions back into when I seen them first. I immediately knew, was like, oh, okay, I can kind of piece together some things that had happened. So uh, I think that was a very, very... Uh, like he, Mike, uh, he had talked about, uh, Mike talked about like the actual writing. I, I think that's another good point to say that it doesn't matter when this character comes on screen or on, on stage, like it's actually really good. Um, you know, the we talked about the children acting, and the little girl, her name's Farrah McKenzie, was absolutely amazing. I thought she was just awesome. Yeah. Just it was. A very honest uh, approach to like doing it, but it's also very silly, you know. And pageant living and pageant life uh, is like 
that is life down there and I know from some people so that's all she necessarily was going for and uh, it really kind of choked me up a bit um, like Mocha was talking about uh, you know there's these comedic beats and there's comedic moments uh, you know she's doing her hair she has a spray tan right she's going to the tanning bed she's doing all this stuff to sing uh, this song and she goes up and she's going to sing Rihanna she goes up on stage she has the umbrella she's going to sing Rihanna's umbrella and she goes onto the microphone and says you know this is my daddy's favorite song um, and ends up singing John Denver's um, Country Road oh, is it called West Virginia? Country yeah, Road, country take, road. Home. Yeah, take me home. Take me home, that's right. And so I'm like, oh, that that turned, that right there within a matter of seconds turned from a very funny like moment of this will be a hilarious to see. and But that performance from that actress, like, was, that, that was all, that was way better than anything Ty Simpkins can do. Like, come on, step your game up, man. <laughs> step your game up. You have no excuse. Anyways. That was great. I mean, that was a very honest approach to that actual sort of character. And she didn't, like, she was in it a lot, but it was very simple of, like, what she wants to do as, like, a little kid in, like, this hectic and crazy environment and all this, like, chaos is happening around her. But much like Mocha was talking about, they made sure that she wasn't necessarily a part of it. And I really enjoy that. Although people, like, looked at that family as being pretty uh, negative or people, like, made fun of that family a lot and they got into a lot of trouble, but they made sure that she wasn't necessarily part of that. Um, yeah, so that's a, that's an interesting moment they they show because they bring up, uh, especially Adam Driver's character brings up this whole Logan curse thing that uh, they're never going to have good things. You see Channing Tatum's character like miss previous events, like uh, the rehearsals for her pageant and everything, and then at the very end he actually pulls through and he's there for her. And I think it definitely tells, like, if he didn't show up, she would have probably done Rihanna and been goofy as hell. Yeah, right. Uh, but since he actually uh, shows up for her, uh, she know it gives her a sign, like, you know what, he cares. Um, we have this connection. Yeah. I'm going to do what's right and what's from the heart. Yeah. And, and that is a very emotional moment. And he also shows up not only for his daughter, but he shows up for his family and friends and the people who put, risk their lives for some, for something that's you know, it was big, that's important for this actual heist, so, um, I do kind of enjoy that for a little bit. Um, yeah, I love the fi- people that didn't even know they were in on it. Yeah, right? Oh, and that was, that's another great part, too, because it was like, you know, call the baker, and I was like, I, I, I missed that, so I was like, I don't know what that is, but you start piecing it together, I was like, man, that's, that's awesome, like, that's a good thing to be there for the people who may not necessarily know or the, hey I've done wrong to this person that they don't know I've done wrong to so I at least want to say I appreciate what you've necessarily done it is technically stealing but you know anyways we're not going to get into <laughs> we're not going to get into the moral compass of that um, I love the fake out in the audience though of like you can't really trust the narrator of the actual movie uh, you know there and he even said it like oh we're only going to tell them um, what we the, what they we only gonna tell them just what they need to know what they yeah. need to know what we yeah. want to, yeah what we want them to know. what they want them to know but that's not they were just talking about the brothers they were talking about the audience at that point and I think that was really really fun really really cool it was obviously we saw it coming yeah we seen all the oceans movies so I kind of saw it coming I'm like oh okay cool but it was still like nice to be like oh that's interesting like I I didn't necessarily know where the cockroaches with the finger paint like fingernail painting comes from like that didn't like I wasn't necessarily sure what that's happening there um but I thought that was like very effective and very uh very enjoyable um they use that to find uh which uh 
which of the uh, pneumatic tubes was actually going into the vault. Ah, okay. And so once they came as the exterminators and found, like, oh, it's the pink bugs, they knew exactly what pipe to drop the bomb in. Got it. Which yeah. is pretty brilliant. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that, was, that was fun. I even thought, like, uh, so there's, like, obviously there's things that I miss. I'm like, ah, I mean, I didn't really need to know that, but still, pretty cool. Um, I also like, like, even going off of that Game of Thrones scenes with the cell inmate, I thought the funniest thing about that, not even having a backstory of uh, the warden, was the fact that he's like, this this jail doesn't have fires. This jail doesn't have, like, riots. Riots. No, you don't know. What you doing? Don't, we'll be fine. Like, don't worry about it. Like, th- there's no way. We're, we're not going to do this. Um, and I thought that was funny. As like, shit's going down in your jail cell. You're going to sit there and like, we're fine. We'll, we'll get through it. Don't worry about it. Um, so that was like uh, kind of pretty funny, even to the point where all the firemen comes in and they just see a little trash can on fire, and a little gag of just one hit from the fire extinguisher, and they're like, "Really? That's it?" Um, I thought that was kind of funny. So yeah, I just enjoyed the movie. I'm bummed. I'm probably gonna watch it again so I can get the entirety of it. Uh, but I also just had a lot of fun. I didn't. I, I felt like I didn't need to watch it, but I definitely do want to watch it. Just so that I can actually have like an honest opinion on 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 everything, because there's things that I necessarily missed. Even uh, I enjoyed the Hillary Swank character because the first time I saw her, she popped up walking into the vault that's already been robbed, and I'm like, oh, Hillary Swank's in this movie. That's that's fun. Yeah. I, I like that. Uh, but I'll just love her like plotting at the end, uh, and I and, and it'd be funny just to see her looking at everybody who like she knows who, what all they did uh, I thought that was kind of very funny and um, I'm just glad that he can make fun of his, his own movies his own successful movies he can still make fun of them for hopefully makes another successful movie of saying that yeah that was good but I know that's pretty cheesy and he really can't do that so I'm going to make fun of what I just did um, and I think that was pretty effective so we enjoy this movie. I'm glad that we enjoy this movie, but we probably don't enjoy everything about this movie. So I'm interested to hear about some things that, Brylin, which what just didn't work for you? Uh, so I would say that uh, my biggest criticism was that the movie felt a little bit too long and the pacing was pretty off in this movie. It takes a while for um, the heist elements to start coming together. And, uh, it, um, and the pacing just feels like that uh, they weren't really sure where to put the pieces to make it uh, run as smooth as possible. Like Hilary Swank's character, she's not introduced until the final third of the movie. Like, mm-hmm. and you think that the movie's about to end, then all of a sudden you see Hilary Swank come on the screen and they introduce her and they actually build her character and she's investigating what happened. And they're even like have her character at the end, like almost set up for a sequel. And it's like, uh, it's kind of interesting. I mean, she's a great actress and everything, but I think it would have been better if you knew a little bit about like her character, especially at a huge event like the Coca-Cola 600. And if anybody doesn't know that much about NASCAR, I mean, this is a event where almost 300,000 people go to the stadium alone, let alone uh, millions and millions of people watch it on TV. And it's, uh, and you'd think they would have some type of federal, oversight or security on the money when an event that huge is happening um they also um have uh, also think it just stuck too close to the oceans 11 formula of 
doing like kind of the bait and switch on the audience, just showing you what they want to show you, kind of how they said that we're only going to let them know what we want them to know. Um, kind of did that to the audience too, where you have all these elaborate elements happening in this uh, bank heist, and then you still don't see all the elaborate elements that have been happening behind the scenes. And they have this whole second part where Melly's grabbing um, almost half the money that actually was robbed out of it and holding it in a safe place. So they do have money that they robbed, but they made sure they got enough back to um, the racing committee just so they know, like, okay, we've got kind of enough where we can write down the rest if we need to. Um, my other biggest criticism would be for this movie is there's a lot of fun moments we have with pretty much all the characters in this movie, uh, but we really don't get enough time to actually um, start to care about these characters. Yeah. And I feel like it, everything is kind of surface level that there could have been a lot more to these characters and you're just left wondering what else was allowing them to what else motivated them to think a certain way or actually enact out how they did you just wanted to i just felt like i wanted to learn more about who these characters were and feel more connected to them so i had more vested interest in what they were doing and why they were doing it yeah yeah i mean you mentioned a couple of a couple of points brylan that i do want to mention is you know I think it would have been super helpful to uh, start this movie off a little bit of these characters. You know, it, it's silly, right? They can they can pull a um, a ten years later. Uh, oh crap! What's the camp thing we talked about? Wet hot American. Yeah, summer. wet hot. So they can pull like a wet hot, right? And they they can start this movie off with a flashback of like high school. And they can talk about, like, at one point when Chan Tatum's jacked, and they can talk about just a couple of these stories from high school and how these same group of people um, started in high school. And you have, like, the nurse who's, like, traveling around. That's kind of funny to tie that story in. But you also have Hilary Swank, who may have been in love, or, like, you know, the. Um, the Logans did her wrong in some way or embarrassed her in high school or something. So she has, like, this personal vendetta or something along the lines of, like, in, like introducing, like, some of these characters, what we have. And then you do a flash forward when the, mo the movie starts. And then you start put, like, filling in the gaps of what happened in between. Just so that you give her a bit of motivation. Because it, it I can definitely understand why... Um, the Hillary Swain character it's a huge shift of what happened here and literally Channing Tatum's character disappears for a while of what's happening there so I thought that was uh, very strange um, at that part and I definitely agree with you on it, it it was a little too quick to kind of put that in um, and I think the uh, you know you said something about the pacing also and uh, I, th I think they could have just taken out some things that didn't necessarily need to be there instead of just like rushing and speeding things they kind of make it all like in a tight little bow and says it's good or you know like flip it flip it the other way around and say keep the pacing exactly how you're there let the main characters let uh, you know the uh, Logans think that they're winning and in the end they're like no we caught you and this is all the stuff that we have you're going to jail right like that also would have been funny because then this would have been a, fl a play on a play and now the audience is like oh that's hilarious that's really funny if somebody's been in on it the entire time or something make it a little bit different because it was definitely too much on the nose of I kind of know how this is going to end uh, and I think everybody in the movie was like well we kind of know how this is going to end 
Um, so I, I, I can definitely kind of agree with you. That just would have made, like, a couple things that would have made that better, I think. Yeah, because they, they kind of in the movie where it feels like, even though they feel like they got away with a brilliant plan that the Logan curse is eventually going to bite them in the ass in the form of Hillary Swank. Um, and also, when it comes to, like, having surprising actors pop up, in the middle of nowhere, Catherine Watterson pops up in this movie mm-hmm. as a um, as a uh, as a hospital bus driver, mobile hospital um, technician, and we see her just to be kind of adding like a little love life to Channing Tatum's character, and it really is very self servicing and just that face value. It doesn't really add much to it. Yeah, like you see a woman randomly walk outside, right? And there's some hints of, oh, maybe, and it's this weird, this weird dialogue all the time of, oh, hey, that needs stitches. Oh, it's too late. Have you ever had technical... Like, these are some really weird questions to ask a random person who's just hanging out eating like a, like a, like a, like a little Debbie snack on the side of the store. So it's very, very weird, uh, very weird component. And I actually didn't even realize that she was the same woman from um, Alien Covenant and she was in Fantastic Beasts, so... Yeah. Good, good on my part no, no, I'm doing that anything else? Uh, nope that'll be it cool Mocha what you got for me? yeah um, I'm pretty on board with a lot of what Brylan said um, I feel like this movie leaned pretty heavily on the tropes and the general pacing of previous heist movies it's funny because I went into this movie not really Really knowing much about it, it was as you mentioned earlier, voted on by our Twitter uh, follower base, and so with that as a result, it was the movie that we would review. So I decided to just go into it as it was. And while I was watching, I was like, "Man, this movie just feels like the director kind of just pulled a lot of stuff from the Ocean series." And then I got out of the film later on, did some research, and realized that it was the director of the Ocean series. Yeah. Um, so, and that makes sense. Um, and it seems like he he kind of just leaned heavily on his own work, which ultimately is fine because it was a fun movie the heist aspect was fun and it's kind of hard to break free of traditional heist tropes when you're doing a heist movie um but still i would have loved especially knowing that Suddenberg had done the previous um uh oceans movies i would have loved to have seen him try to do something different with this film aside from just having each character have an accent that was probably the biggest difference between this movie and any of the oceans that i've seen um and I would just like to see him go further in that regard. Brylan, I know that you were a fan of Seth MacFarlane showing up in this film, but the moment that it dawned on me that the guy under the Jerry Curl wig was Seth MacFarlane, I completely lost interest in his character. Um, and I, I don't want to say it's like I'm some major Seth MacFarlane hater. I think that he's smart, and I think that he's actually added a lot of positive things to my generation's understanding of comedy and what is funny and, you know, how we handle parody. But for some reason, him himself, Seth MacFarlane himself, was just very... I don't know. Of all the actors that were in the film, he stood out the most as sort of like a sore thumb. And I couldn't stop thinking about the fact that it was Seth MacFarlane once I realized that it was Seth MacFarlane. Yeah. He was like the biggest caricature out there besides like the stepdad. Yeah, and like each of the characters seem to be doing, each actor rather, seem to be playing a really subtle character or at least a character that involves subtleties. 
And Seth MacFarlane's character was kind of just like, hey, this I'm Seth MacFarlane, and this is how I interpret a guy with a British accent. And it just seemed very, very forced. And again, he wasn't he wasn't bad in his role, but something about him being there just kind of took me out of the moment. Um, I just think, I don't think they needed to do it. Like you could have done that same character without all the other stuff. Just done a normal, regular character, like maybe boisterous character. Don't put a wig on him. Don't put a fake mustache on him, and just do this character. It's funny if he's Seth, Seth MacFarlane, but maybe he has like other gimmick or other shtick, um, or just maybe because like he's really like this other mogul that's like talking and like really hamming up how good this energy drink is, and it's not. But I don't think you have to do all the things that um, they did in the movie because it's definitely going to distract you from the rest of the movie. It's also kind of weird. Yeah, that's the thing. He was a distraction for me. Every other actor was an actor playing a role. Mm-hmm. and then, But Seth MacFarlane was hiding Seth MacFarlane beneath this like soul glow wig. <laughs> and that was like, that, that's what really like pulled me out of the moment. Let your soul... Sorry, God. <laughs> but, uh, or, or maybe like blend his character and Sebastian Stan's character. Yeah, and yeah. Then yeah. Have more of a connection. Honestly, or Sebastian or Stan's character seemed like the like flip the character. Wait, Sebastian. Yeah. Yeah, Sebastian Stan's character came out seemed to come out of nowhere, and the only loose connection was Seth MacFarlane's character. Yeah. Yeah. Sebastian Stan's character was legitimately funny on his own, and honestly, the screen time that Seth MacFarlane had, I would have rather have seen Sebastian Stan have that, because um, his character was funny, Sebastian Stan is a pretty good actor on his own, and again, Sebastian Stan wasn't, like, hidden underneath a wig and a fake mustache. I mean, tr- I don't know. Like, truthfully, I don't think the characters needed to be there uh, at all, but... You know, the character was there anyway, and it's like, all right, well, you know, how can we make that character effective? I don't think you have to do something crazy for it. Like, the movie itself is already pretty crazy. The moment that you start putting more normal things that we can believe of, oh, this person's normal, right? No, actually, it's flip it on its head. The normal things in this movie uh, are crazy, and the crazy things are kind of normal. Like, that's okay. Yeah. And that's the thing, you know. Seth MacFarlane's character was there early in the film to show that the Logan brothers have a very strong bond and mm-hmm. that they are, without even talking, able to defend each other to the best of their abilities and work in, in unison to kind of get at people who are messing with them. This could have been done by Sebastian Stan. Those two things could have been done by anybody. So it, like everything about his character felt forced. And I'm not anti-Seth MacFarlane. It just didn't work for me in this movie, at least with all the, the accoutrement on his face to like, get in the way. Yeah, that's fair. Um, that's fair. I'm I'm actually like super into the whole Hillary Swank going undercover outside department orders plot thread. You know, what we saw at the end where after the FBI tells her, Hey, let go of this case, their alibis are tight and we have better things to put our money on, she apparently goes rogue and goes undercover to try to form a relationship with uh, Clyde and see if she can like craft a case on her own. That's an awesome idea. I'm into it. Why did that happen as, like, the very end of the movie? Like, I don't think anyone going in this movie was expecting it to be a franchise. I don't think anyone go- went into this movie was expecting to see Logan Lucky's 12. Um, and But that's, like, a really cool plot thread. And you spent all of the movie, an hour and a half of the movie, going through the heist in the last half of the movie, having showing these FBI agents failing to do their job. 
I would have loved to have seen the last half of the movie and focused on Hillary Swank trying to like figure out what was going on with the, with with the heist uh, while undercover. That's super interesting. Yeah, I don't think it worked as a cliffhanger. No. I would have rather have just seen them cheers their shots and take it and have a happy ending instead of just being told, oh, by the way, you don't get to see this, but Hillary Swank is trying to infiltrate their their friend group and find out that they actually got it. Like, that doesn't do anything for me unless I'm going to have a sequel, and this does, this movie does not deserve a sequel, as I, is. I mean, I thought it'd be funny if we can, like, in order to kind of see that, right, they introduced Hillary Swank, but Hillary Swank's character was there the entire time. And I think right. that would have been effective, right? If Hillary Swank's character was at the bar the first time of the fight, if Hillary Swank's character was one of the prison guards somehow, right? Hillary Swank's character was at the actual um, NASCAR event, and Hillary Swank was then back at the bar at the end, and she's like, hey, I have all this evidence, I have all this evidence, and she then like tries to... Um, take this group down externally and notice that, that 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 doesn't work throughout the entire movie and we see her doing these we see her gathering this information so that in the end right maybe she's working as a bar bag maybe she's like working at the bar or it's just like there right or she he's hired her or maybe even in the end like somebody makes fun of a logan and she defends him right and they talk about how defending their family that's like what they do and that's how she becomes part of their crew and, but that string is everywhere in the movie, and that's given her more motivation. Now, does that lead to another sequel? I mean, possibly, but that at least makes it a little bit more impactful of all the way from the very beginning, Hilary Swank, if my theories are what I was talking about, if there's, there's a flashback, Hilary Swank's character has like this vendetta against the Logans, or even Hilary Swank's character caused the logos to have this issue like with their family right for some reason like yeah. i don't know like i'm just like spitballing here but i think it would have been like very helpful if we would have just seen her um even even if you do a retcon right and you do a bunch of flashbacks there's there was definitely no character there but she just emerges for some reason i think that also would have <laughs> been very funny for in order to make make fun of your own movie uh and i think it would i think it would have still been pretty impactful yeah, or have her be the top cop of the racetrack security. Yes, yeah. yeah. And actually, both those points, Warren, your your discussion about having Hillary Swank in there more often, and Brian, your point about having her be the the, the top cop of the racetrack security, mm-hmm. leads perfectly into my next um, point of contention, which is the fact that there was a lack of a centralized villain for this movie. Uh, resulted in a complete and utter lack of tension during the actual heist. Yeah. As far as I'm concerned, the only tension that existed during the heist was whether or not they would fuck it up. But there was no, there was no counteracting force. There was no one hunting them down. There was no one trying to stop the situation. There was no one who was made aware of it well enough partway through to come and hunt them. And, you know, you don't need that in a given movie. But I think that for a heist, there needs to be a, like, there needs to be a, a lot of things on the line, and be an active uh, antagonist that increases tension throughout as he or she gets closer to figuring out what the robbers are doing. And that didn't exist. This movie was just them doing the heist and them being goofy while they did the heist. And so I was left as a viewer saying, okay, well, at some point they're just going to fuck this up royally, mm-hmm. and then that's going to turn into the big climax of the film. And that never really happened. We get some guards who swing by, but those guards are ineffectual. Yeah. Those guards are... Anything. Uh, yeah, that's, I, wait, that's a good point, because, I mean, I think they're trying to build out an antagonist in the whole idea of the whole Logan curse, 
just using like uh, the stories of how uh, Channing Tatum blew out his knee in high school and now he's not going to the NFL and how uh, Adam Driver lost his arm in the army is kind of like Channing Tatum's fight uh, fault to like encourage him to go into the army that they always have bad things happen to him. They just, uh, but I felt like they didn't really sell it enough to actually make you feel like the curse was like a vital thing that was affecting uh, their uh, lives. Uh, whereas in uh, Ocean's Eleven, um, you have someone uh, like the casino owner, mm-hmm. uh, Andy Garcia, Andy that Garcia. Uh, Ocean's Eleven only works if you have him as that bad guy. Yeah. Well, right. wh- what was the negative thing that happened with the sister? Um, negative thing with the sister? I don't think they really mentioned anything. No. It was more about the brothers. And it was kind of like Clyde's thing that there's... That the family's cursed. Hmm. Okay. Yeah, the sister actually goes out of her way to say that she doesn't believe in the family curse. That's that's Clyde's thing. Um, yeah, I think but, some people look at her like in the traditional like uh, woman her age should be married and having kids and stuff, and that she's still single, still being a hairdresser and everything, and has not really moved. They they see that she hasn't really moved on from that. That might be that. That's her part of the curse, hmm. but she says she doesn't really believe in it. So okay, yeah, Mocha. Yeah, yeah. Ultimately, ultimately, I think that would have just made it better. Um, also, and this is the case. So a lot of movies, especially for myself, who's a big fan of sci-fi, you know, like nerdy comic book kind of stuff. Um, I live in a world of suspension of disbelief. I go into every movie expecting to suspend my disbelief just so I can have a good time. Um, that's sort of my my baseline when I start any given movie. This movie in particular required a fair bit of suspension disbelief. There were so many like little loophole moments that I just let go because I was having a good time watching it. But you know, like why wasn't there more security? They say they talk about a big point of the, of the the film is that they plot for a specific day when no one will be there. And then it gets moved back a week to the busiest day of the year. And yet when they go to do their actual heist, not a single person is ever in their way. Yeah. Except for the two ineffectual guards that only go down because there's smoke. Like, that doesn't line up at all. Why, why didn't the amount of smoke that was coming out of the tube in the concession stand actually cause like, a bigger deal for a packed stadium? Like that stadium was packed to the gills. It was their biggest day of the year. If I'm running a business and I have like however many thousands of people in my stands watching, and this is like the biggest day for uh, advertisers, for marketers, for TV, and smoke starts pouring out of a fucking tube and, and anywhere, I'm gonna send people to investigate that shit thoroughly. Like, why didn't that happen? Um, like, how did Jimmy get? How did Jimmy Logan get the arm back to Clyde when he pulled out the machine? Because we know for a fact that he pulled it out of the machine after Clyde left to go back into the jail. Which means that Clyde went to jail with no arm and then magically got his arm back at some point because no one in the jail was suspicious about the fact that the one-armed guy lost his arm. Yeah, well, actually, he but it's didn't the case. really have his arm in jail. No, they he, took did, that away he from didn't him. have it. He got it after, oh, did they really? Yeah, he got it after he left jail from the 90 days and when he came home and opened up the case... I think you were supposed to assume that he has his old arm, he has his new arm, and a bunch of money in that case, but you don't you don't know. Okay, I retract that then. But yeah. still, there are other moments of disbelief. <laughs> you know, the, the prison riot. Um, 
our, you know, there's the one guy that Joe Bang talks to before he, he escapes from prison. And the, the notion is, okay, Joe Bang told this guy, hey, start a prison riot. That's cool and all. But how are you going to get the other 60 people, 80 people that are in that prison to just join up with you with none of them getting the cut, with none of them understanding why, the reason why they're rioting? Yeah. It was, there was a lot of special disbelief required. And I don't think that makes it a bad, that's not a bad thing in and of itself. But it is something that needs to be that like a viewer needs to be aware of going into this movie because it doesn't all work out perfectly in terms of like actual logic and reason. Yeah. Yeah. Or even why isn't the prison nurse like right after lockdown not doing a head count of all her patients? Right. And saying yeah. and like already not notice and already not noticing that Joe Bang and um, Clyde are gone. Oh, I thought yeah. you were gonna leave. Um, or even the fact. Or even the fact too that the you know Joe Bang and Clyde got back into the prison disguised as um, as firefighters, like would no one have noticed that there were two prisoners who were walking around the prison that weren't in the cafeteria when all the prisoners were in the cafeteria for this riot? Like there's a lot of little things here and there, little details that I'm fine with getting rid of, with ignoring for the sake of enjoying the movie because the movie was more enjoyable than it was frustrating. But they are absolutely there. Yeah, I mean, I would say, you know, I've already, like, sprinkled in and peppered in a bunch of my sort of criticism by half of the movie. Um, the movie, it's, like, I didn't watch, I, I couldn't see the entire movie, so I also want to be fair on that. Uh, but even when not watching the movie, um, I'm just surprised there wasn't uh, enough, uh, any sort of challenges or complications to this crazy, crazy plan. Um I don't think they ran into any roadblock or any issue. Every um, roadblock they ran into was constructed by by Jimmy Logan. Yeah, so it's just like you know, even in like the Ocean's Elevens, they ran into a bunch of roadblocks, and they had to like quick. We could at least see them quickly try to like think on the fly, like think on the fly, like how they can do that. Oh, you kind of look like you know this actress. Oh, don't say her name, and and they at least kind of ro- ro- roll with that, right? Uh, but it was just. It was too neat, and much like Bradley was talking about before, like it was just too neat. It was too clean. Like there was just no consequences. I didn't. I didn't feel like anybody was gonna get get hurt, get killed, or go back to jail. Like everything felt like it tied up too quickly, uh, too easily, and it kind of just felt like, oh, okay, I kind of know what's gonna happen in the end, and that's cool, that's cute, and all, but I kind of was hoping for a bit of a different. Uh, way down the road Uh, like I thought it was interesting I mean I think for sure you know you take out the fake out of the audience right and if he would have just turned in the money and I'm super interested to see how the movie would have ended if he would have turned in the money actually and none of the other stuff would have happened um I thought that would have been interesting because everybody, like, you can think it could have been successful they were right there they could have been successful but then his contrast comes in and says no like I don't want to do this. I want to do something a different way. I'm going to throw out the rules and try. I'm going to do things differently. And yeah, people, everybody's going to hate me. People are going to hate me, but who gives a shit sort of thing. And um, I think that would have been effective. They didn't do that. They didn't go that way. That's fine. It was, like I said, it was still enjoyable, but I, I wanted to see something a little bit different um, because it's a different movie. And if you're going to do a different movie with all these crazy other things and this satirical, this comical cast, do something a little bit different, just so you can kind of keep the audience kind of wanting more. Um, I think that's going to be like kind of that would have been pretty effective for it. Um, yeah. 
Yeah, I think that that's gonna be like my my, my biggest criticisms. Honestly, I kind of sprinkled in all the stuff that you guys said, but that was be my biggest one of it. Just didn't seem like it was challenges. There was just no stakes uh, involved, and uh, I kind of like I like I like stakes. I, I'm tired of chicken nuggets. You know. <laughs> So with that, thank you. Uh, so let's get into uh, let's actually get into some conclusions, our lasting thoughts, and some grades, and see what we got. I'm gonna uh, toss it over to Mr. Brylin. Uh Yeah, so I'm gonna give Logan Loki a B. The reason I do that is there's some great funny moments here. Uh, one of the other standout funny moments is whenever Melly is taking down the stepfather Peg about how he can't drive a real car or that he's just a shit bird. Um, I always like that, and um, but there's it's uh, enjoyable on a very surface level. Not much to get you engaged with the characters and know more about them. And there's just some really weird pacing that happens in this movie. Mogo, what you got for me? I'm gonna go ahead and give this film a B minus. It was a really fun movie to end the summer with. It leaned a bit too heavily on typical heist movie tropes, in my opinion. But honestly, that's not a terrible thing. If you see Logan Lucky before you see any of the Oceans movies, you're going to have an amazing time. Yeah. Versus if you see it afterwards, you're still going to enjoy it, but you're going to notice Soddenberg's typical like approaches to the film. Yeah. Um, but ultimately, regardless of all that, it was still a delightful cast that had a really great sense of self-awareness that made for a really fun romp for an hour and and then 45 minutes or two hours, however long it was. Two hours. Yeah. Cool. Um, my grade for this one is probably going to be the best one as a B plus. Uh, that's probably a bit unfair because I didn't see some of it, but all the stuff that I did see, I enjoyed it because there was a lot of underlying, I think Mocha even mentioned it, there's a lot of underlying things talked about family, talking about caring, and um, these people are... You know, arguably convicts, ex-convicts, like they, they, they didn't do a lot of good stuff when they've been like kind of kind of getting in trouble with a bunch of stuff, or mainly kind of Jimmy. And there's a lot going wrong for that entire family, but uh, and he still like has an ex-wife and uh, and like arguing with uh, you know, his uh, ex-wife and that stuff that happens there, but they don't make they, they make sure that the girl can have like what she wants and like how she wants to do and what she wants to do and that little girl is kind of great so i think that's a that's a good message that they kind of went from it all yes it is being a heist movie but you know bad guys are not bad guys you know that's a yeah <laughs> thank you um so i <laughs> I, 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 I yeah right uh, i enjoyed that part of it i enjoyed the, the at least that message that they sent and i just us enjoyed like everybody just really had a good time you can tell that people making this movie are gonna have a lot of fun just like the oceans 11 movies of this star-studded cast are just gonna come in there and have a, a blast so um, i great for this uh, film for logan lucky will be a b plus yeah and with that I'm sad, but I'm excited to finish off our conversation of Logan Lucky. And let's talk about a bunch of our work. So we are the Down in Front Podcast. We are here. We are back. We are going to be in your face and talking about a bunch of stuff, whether it's football, horror movies, uh, uh, Stranger Things coming up. I mean, there's so many other releases that's happening before the end of the year. So definitely stay tuned because we have a lot of other small projects and a lot of other side projects that you're going to hear a lot of new voices on. Uh, and I'm super, super pumped. I'm super, super excited about that. 
Uh, definitely find more of our work on Apple Podcasts as well as the iTunes Store. Feel free to go and rate us. Uh, give us a review. Put us five stars or give us one star, but that's okay. If you give us a one star, tell us why. Tell us why, you know? Uh, and then this one, if you do give us a five star, tell us... Uh, what's a question that you want to what you want to know, Brylin? Um, a question I want to know. Yeah. What are you wearing? N- no. <laughs> when you review us, what are you wearing when you review us? <laughs> I'm wearing a Robocop shirt <laughs> and some Under Armour shorts. I'm wearing um, a green shirt. Let us know. Who is your favorite action star right now? Oh, I think it's going to be easy for everybody, but okay. So when you do review us on iTunes, just let us know, like, who's your favorite actor, uh, action star? Um, hands down, mine's going to be The Rock. He's going to be the future president, so why not? Duh. Uh, but yeah, so we're super pumped. Find more of our work just about everywhere. Um, we also have an email, so downinfrontpodcast at gmail.com. If you want to have any particular reviews or any questions about the show, or if you want to actually be on the show, just let us know. Shoot us extra line at downinfrontpodcast at gmail.com. We have a Facebook, so facebook.com slash downinfrontpodcast is where we put a bunch of our posts, kind of new things that we're actually going to be kind of tossing out there just to get people sort of involved. And we want to actually hear more and more from all of our beautiful Ryan Dowles and our Derek songs out there. Uh, Bradley, where can we find more of your work? Uh, well, you can find me on our new Gamescast uh, at twitch.tv slash downinfrontpodcast. Uh, next uh, episode, we'll probably be wrapping up Life is Strange. We're getting into the home stretch of that. And it's definitely taken a really dark uh, girl with a dragon tattoo type of twist to it. Uh, if you saw it um, today uh, on this previous uh, episode, we'll have those highlights out for you. Um you can also find me doing my personal things, uh, trying to get lucky on Twitter at Bryland, B-R-I-L-U-N-D. Um, I also will po- post many movie and TV reviews on Instagram, is on is I am Bryland. I'm also playing around with Snapchat these days. I'm always trying to expand my social media uh, outlets, so trying to see nice. what random things I can take a picture of and send out to the world. Noise. All right. Yeah. Uh, so typically, what when do you do the uh, when does the Twitch uh, in the Gamecast go on? Uh, trying to get it to be on every Thursday from two to six p.m. Eastern Standard Time. It may shift a day or so depending on scheduling, but that's going to be where you can uh, probably reach us for the most part. Nice. Yeah, thanks so much. I had a great time. <laughs> I literally like watched that as I'm working, and people are like, "What are you doing?" I'm like, "Don't worry about it. Leave me, leave me alone." I want to just. <laughs> you, I'm like, it's literally like a movie, and it's like watching the movie. I just have a great time. You can actually kind of chat. Uh, and you get back to me like pretty quickly, which I thought that guy today's name was Warren, and I thought was awesome in the actual game. So it's like, oh yeah. no way. Um, but it's very enjoyable just actually kind of watch these walkthroughs and just watch you kind of play this game. And I think you arguably may have the best commentary. I'm super pumped to have you and uh, probably you oh. and Jesse kind of talk about that. So uh, kudos to you, awesome. my friend. Kudos to you. Thank you. Mr. Mocha, where can I find more of your work? Yes. You can find me on Twitter at Mocha Mike L I 
as the Lord intended. Um, unfortunately, you cannot find me at Mocha Mike because the individual who has that username is currently in jail. Um, I'm concocting a, an elaborate plan to break him out of jail so that I can force him at gunpoint to give up that username so that I can have it because brand consistency is key. But until then, you can find me at Mocha Mike Li on Twitter. Um, you can also find me on Instagram where I post a lot of my photography work uh, at Mocha Mike. And you can also follow me on Medium, where I post, post long-form reviews of the movies and TV shows that we talk about here on Down in Front, as well as three-page-long rants about why the Inhumans TV show has let me down. Um, and you can find me there at medium.com slash at Mocha Mike. That's medium.com slash at Mocha Mike. Cool. Uh, and we have the Down in Front podcast. We also have a couple other things that we want to kind of highlight. So we're on Twitter. Um, you know, we're on Patreon and we also have a YouTube. So our Twitter is going to be at underscore D-A-F-P. That's underscore D-A-F-P. That stands for Down in Front Podcast. Um, we have a page, uh, we have a YouTube link that we're going to be posting it. We're going to be putting out a video teaser that we talk about some of the quick couple of things that we actually be putting out as well as our, our Twitch and our Gamecast is going to be on there as well as our kind of next stop is some other a couple other reviews and have future future reviews that we're going to be talking about so definitely stay tuned for that feel free to subscribe to us like us that'll be awesome just so we can get you more and more content for that uh and then lastly we do have a patreon so patreon.com slash down the front podcast and where we'll just accepting any and every and all donations as possible just so that we can continue to keep watching these movies getting this content out for you uh, if anything is less than just $1 for that, uh, that'll be great for us because we're actually going to be doing a bunch of different tiers. So we do side episodes, we do bonus episodes, we're giving more and more content, we're going to do more polls, we're going to get more and more stuff into the hands of these beautiful, be- beautiful listeners. Yes, Ryan Dowds, yes, Derek Sons, we're talking to you. So mm. that is patreon.com slash down in front. And we are the Down in Front podcast. We will say thank you so much for hanging out with us, and we will see you soon for our next review. And before we go, uh, if you do have any thoughts or feelings for Jesse, you can reach Jesse at Jesse's pre-wrapped hard-boiled eggs at 123.com. It's brought to you by China this week. (laughs) (laughs) If anyone in our group ate pre-wrapped hard-boiled eggs, it would be Jesse. It's definitely Jesse. We're going to have to post that poll in in a moment, so thank you so much. (laughs) Thanks so much, guys. We'll see you later. Bye. Bye. Stay lucky, everybody. Bow, bow.